and welcome to the long-awaited, much-anticipated, and somewhat pain-in-my-ass first podcast of business, baseball, and bourbon. You will get a little bit of everything tonight. Definitely a little baseball still going on, winding down, but who cares? Uh, because my Giants were eliminated about what, about a month ago, about two weeks before the season officially ended. The godforsaken Dodgers uh, made it, so I had to spend all my time and energy rooting against the Dodgers, uh, who were eliminated on the same evening of the infamous, now, epic Batista bat flip that is uh, one of the highlights of this playoff series. So the Dodgers being eliminated... The epic Batista bat flip, uh, definitely big baseball things going on. And there's the uh, baseball season in a nutshell for me and what I'm focusing on. I am looking uh, to possibly use the epic Batista bat flip. That's actually a good rhyme. I'm actually going to want to put that on everybody's computer at work for a little motivational drive at the office. I'm not sure everybody appreciates it as much as I do, but we shall see how that uh, gets everybody gone so there's a little baseball update as far as the bourbon update what i decided to do was come up with a bourbon drink of the month which if i put this out about every two weeks will quickly become a bourbon of every two weeks drink so the first inaugural bourbon of the month drink podcast number one is the paper airplane you say you've never heard of one of those, and I hadn't either until about three months ago. And man, what a drink it is. I'll tell you what, it's a drink that is typically served up, but I prefer it on the rocks. And I'll tell you why, because that thing belongs in a damn punch bowl. I could see it being sitting on a bar in a big old punch bowl with a big block of ice and a ladle in there, and you just walk over and fill up your punch, uh, your little punch glass. So what I recommend is... Grab yourself a uh, paper airplane, sit out on the deck on a warm night, grab a book, or replay a podcast or three of mine, and that is the best way to enjoy your paper airplane. So again, the inaugural podcast number one bourbon drink of the month is the paper airplane. Recommend asking your local trendy, hipster, beard-wearing bartender. Um, What I found was... Thankfully, at my regular bar with regular bartenders without um, beards and hipster styles, that um, they knew exactly what to do for that drink. Any good bartender will. So just get it the way they recommend it the first time. I highly recommend it. A little sweet, not too sweet, because I prefer my drinks a little tart, like me. And um, so you get just a little bit of that sweetness and uh man what a drink it is and by the way i challenge you to drink only one if you can drink only one uh contact me and i may have a prize for you so there we go with a little baseball and bourbon um some nights maybe those will take up more of the uh podcast but definitely uh with this being the inaugural podcast i want to lean a lot on the business side and tell you guys basically what finally got me off my butt, and what got me off my butt, I hope you're all sitting down because you're going to be awfully surprised to hear this, is some postings I saw on the infamous Twitter sphere. And um, really seeing, there's so much going on these days, I believe for the better, 
regardless, even if you think something looks bad, if you think an argument's going bad, if you're learning how to have a professional argument, have a research argument, have an argument. <laughs> By the way, should we maybe not call it an argument? Should we call it a conversation? That was a nice Freudian slip. So uh, let's call it a conversation. So if you're sitting back and watching these things going off and you're thinking, man, that's not the way I want to have a conversation with anybody, then so be it. You're learning something. Um, rarely a day goes by where I don't learn something new on Twitter, either by watching a discussion or loading up my Evernote file with uh, the infamous Twitter downloads. So um, definitely some things going on there. Let me uh, get sidetracked just a little bit here. I am also going to do a little plug for my next speaking gig. I will speak, be speaking in Chicago at Empower PT, which is actually put on by Clinician. It's a two-day event, and um, the price is exactly right, and that's free. And i got to be honest, I'm really excited about the content also, and surprisingly not just mine. Uh, John Wolf from Arizona will be speaking. Jim Hoime from uh, Therapy Partners out of Minnesota will be speaking on leadership. And um, I will be speaking. There are other speakers too, but those are some people that stand out. And um, I will be speaking on your frontline staff and how they play a huge role in the revenue that your company generates. So I'm really excited to be going there, what, on the 28th? How many days away is that? That's about two weeks away from this recording, maybe 10 days. And um, I got to tell you guys, if you don't know John Wolf, if you haven't heard him, if you don't know what he's talking about, I highly, highly recommend um, getting in touch with John. John and I hit it off the first time I met him because he's really about, uh, shall we say, the words that physical therapists use with their patients, not just kind of in that pain research uh, and all the... Uh, talk about how to treat pain patients these days, but how to engage that, that patient engagement term and how to get your patient to know you care, how to be empathetic, how to make sure that that patient um, is comfortable having a conversation with you and sharing the things that they need to share with you so that you can actually help get them better and ultimately so that uh, they will buy into the plan of care that the physical therapist puts together that has to be agreed upon by that patient sitting across from them because if it's not agreed upon and you're just telling them then you just wasted your time you wasted your patient's time and you wasted whoever the hell's paid you money so <clears throat> don't be fooled in thinking that coming up with a plan of care is the finish of the work the true work isn't done till the patient looks at you and says yeah i agree with that and again when you're sharing that plan of care it's it's to get a conversation going but uh, I digress a little bit. But again, John Wolf will be speaking. He's doing a keynote on that at uh, Empower PT. So I'm looking forward to that. We've got um, PPS coming up in November, doing a couple talks there, a couple with the Strive Lab boys, um, talking about the subscription model of physical therapy. And by the way, it's going to be part of the future, whether you believe it or not. And if you don't know it or not, come to PPS and hear that talk. I am going to be, um, again, partnering up with the famous, not the infamous, but the famous Mike Eisenhart out of New Jersey. I love talking with Mike Eisenhart. Um, always, always looking to move physical therapy forward on a big scale and in ways people just don't see us, uh, can't even imagine at times. And 
I love talking to Mike because Mike is a nice, even-killed guy and talks a lot of facts and talks a lot of sense on a huge level. So PPS. And then lastly, we got CSM in February at the happiest place on earth. No, not Las Vegas, unfortunately. Because when I say the happiest place on earth, what I actually mean is Las Vegas, but it'll be at that other happiest place on earth, the right next door, which is Anaheim, California, the home of Disneyland and Mickey Mouse, one of my favorite business models to, um, to study. And I have put together a track there through the Women's Health track, thanks to um, all the people in Women's Health for, for accepting my proposal. And there will be a talk on customer service and customer service in healthcare. And then as far as I know, someone can tell me otherwise, if you know, I will be bringing the first ever patient panel to CSM and possibly to any physical therapy conference. And I'm very, very excited. Um, they aren't, uh, they're not musculoskeletal patients and they're not your typical um, outpatient physical therapy people. So I'd highly recommend uh, you come and at the very least come to that patient panel and listen to people share their stories and their experiences in the healthcare system and the physical therapy world. Um, you would be sadly mistaken and I would be very disappointed if I only got two people who were gonna share great stories and be happy and smiles and make physical therapy look great. Um, they're not there to bash physical therapy, they are just there to share their stories. Fortunately, uh, I will give you a little spoiler alert for those listening to this podcast. There will be happy, their stories will end happily, shall we say. Um, so again, come listen to these people and listen to their experience in healthcare and where physical therapy helped and hurt and ended up, um, where they ended up with physical therapy. So those are all the upcoming speaking engagements at Empower. Like I mentioned, I'll be speaking about your front line and how you hire the frontline people, how you put the systems together, and how you manage them so you can be successful and get those customers or patients in the door so those great physical therapists you hired can do a kick-ass job or that you, the physical therapist, can do a kick-ass job and get those people better. So let's see. Let's recap. <clears throat> Baseball's good right now because I don't give a shit. Um, the bourbon drink of the month is the paper airplane so go grab yourself one of those and lastly we've got a lot of speaking engagements coming up a lot of great things going on looking at customer experience customer engagement and customer service so i look forward to um to seeing some of you at some of those events and uh, let's get into the meat and the potatoes of this podcast and let's talk some business so what we're going to do and really focus on today is defining some terms. Um, if you know me, you know I like to own our words. I like to make sure we're all using words that mean the same thing to each other. Um, it all started with a couple infamous words that get used frequently that I realized either were being used improperly or just had no value when we were using them. One of those is quality, the word quality, because it, it means absolutely nothing this day and time so to say physical therapy is quality care or anything like that is useless what i ask people to do is define the term tell us why it's quality you know our physical therapy is great because a b c and d not just calling it quality care it, it just loses its uh 
loses everything when you say quality. The other word that really got me going, and you guys know this, is reimbursement. And um, reimbursement is a term that I believe, 99% sure, that the insurance companies took over so that they could downplay the actual word of payment and ease the pain for other people and not our pain, but ease the pain of other people from worrying about what the cost was or how, actually how much healthcare providers were getting paid. So the proper term is payment. And the story I like to share most with that is um, when you go to the grocery store and buy a carton of milk, you do not reimburse the um, checker on the other side of the stand from you. You actually pay the checker. So when you go to physical therapy and you receive physical therapy, you don't reimburse anybody. You pay them. It is payment. And uh, quote I posted yesterday for my boy Chris Hines out in Michigan is, you know, it's hard to fight for payment reform when we're always using the word reimbursement. So let's fight for payment reform. And when we're talking, when we're typing, when we're tweeting, when we're doing anything else, let's call it payment. It's not reimbursement. So um, I digressed a bit, but that that's uh, where this all started. Um, we're going to define some words today. Just give you an example. I want to make sure uh, the words customer experience, customer engagement, customer service. We all understand what those words mean. And um, we need to use those properly. I interchange the word customer and patient. I, uh, on a future podcast, I will be heading out into the public and asking people their perceptions of the word patient versus client versus customer versus healthcare consumer and what they would prefer to be called. Um, we've had a lot of discussions within healthcare. Definitely want to hear what the public perception is. The other words we're going to talk about is uh, patient-centered care, which is a word I want to get away from, and I'll share with you the word I'd rather use for that. Um, Patient-centered care, unfortunately, is a word that was um, uh, a group came up with for the federal government. The federal government rolled it out, which means it had a two-page paper on what the definition of patient-centered care was. And once you read that, you realize that patient-centered care, per the government and per articles, research articles and everything else, is I don't believe the care we want to be delivering um, as physical therapists or as healthcare providers. So we'll be getting into that a little bit. And uh, so let's get this party started. Again, I told uh, mentioned that it was actually some tweets on the Twittersphere that actually said, you know what, Jerry, you just got to plug in that damn microphone and um, turn on the recorder and start talking. Usually I talk a lot, but without plugging in the microphone and turning on the recorder. So let me share with you a couple tweets. I originally saw them about uh, a week ago. And just as a side note, I had originally recorded a podcast and the big wigs at UpDoc Media sent me a note that said the sound quality was not good and they asked me to redo it and uh, as you may or may not know I tend to ad lib a bit and work off the cuff and uh, so that was very exciting to hear that so um, originally these tweets had been sent out a day or two before the podcast but now they're about a week old so let me share these tweets with you the first one is was uh, posted by Andrew Rothschild who is real PT real talk PT 
And uh, I fortunately got to meet Andrew at my uh, one-day seminar in Chicago last month. And we had some great discussions. He actually uh, posted a tweet on October 10th, and he posted a quote from Tom Peters' book. And the book is called The Little Big Things. And um, I enjoyed Tom Peters and what he does. And this quote was, A service is a transaction that gets the job done. An experience is, can, should be a memorable moment. And uh, that really stuck me and thinking about where does the word experience fit in versus, you know, service. So we are a service. Physical therapy is a service. Don't forget that. We're delivering a service to people. But a service is very transactional. And transactional means I give you money, I go along my way, and we um, part ways. An experience is a memorable moment. Um, so, you know, again, we are a service group or a service profession, but what we're looking really to achieve and to create for people is an experience. And by the way, I mentioned Disneyland earlier, and they're another group that is awesome at creating an experience. I mean, what are they? They're a theme park, right? And there are many theme parks across the country, but no one creates an experience like Disneyland. So, that tweet by Andrew just really jumped out at me. Um, really made me think about what we are trying to do. And again, just give me a kick in the ass to really get going and say, look, this isn't difficult to run a podcast. Just get on there and talk about this stuff. And the second, there were actually three. Yeah. And the second tweet I saw was by a um, person who just about anybody who follows me or I see. Um, a person that's heavily retweeted across healthcare followers is Vala Offshar. And Vala posted on the uh, 11th of October. He posted a quote from another person. Her name is Tiffany Bova, who's also on Twitter. And um, he had retweeted one of her quotes. And coincidentally, this Vala tweet retweet of Tiffany was brought to my attention by the famous and maybe infamous cinema error also and here is the quote that was posted customer experience is the last source of sustainable differentiation and the new competitive background let me read that again customer experience is the last source of sustainable differentiation and the new competitive background uh, very interesting, very deep, very thoughtful, and ties in really well with Andrew's post. And again, they came a day apart, but both really hit me in the same way. An experience should be a memorable moment, Andrew posted. And then Tiffany says that the experience is the last source of sustainable differentiation and the new competitive background. Again, let's go back to healthcare. Let's specifically go back to physical therapy. What is your differentiator? I guarantee you that you do nothing at your clinic that's unique, meaning unique, uh, meaning only to you. What you can create and what can be unique to you is this experience you create. You may have an alter G, so does everybody else, but the experience you create around those people coming in the first phone conversation, the first experience when they walk in the door, that is going to be your sustainable differentiator. Because again, if everybody has an alter G, how does that become your unique value proposition? And it's the new competitive background for you because you are competing 
on that experience. And so, again, these tweets just really got me dialed in on this customer experience or patient experience. Um, really got me dialed in on that and got me thinking, I've just got to get this podcast pulled together so we can t- start talking about this stuff. And then, lastly, the huge um, post I saw last week. I don't know how I got to this. Um, it was The original post was posted on October 6th. I didn't see that. Um, the original post is by the Beryl Institute, B-E-R-Y-L. And believe it or not, they're on Twitter, and they are a patient experience company, or as I like to say, customer experience company. I believe, um, so they posted a Harvard Business Review article, but I believe the original or the retweet or the post I saw was by Justin Moore out of the APTA in D.C., but I can't recall. But I will give Justin credit for getting that tweet out there so that I could see it. And I loved it because what jumped off of the screen at me and caused me to open this article, and by the way, a lot of you uh, were aware I started tweeting uh, quotes from it immediately and felt like I was basically going to do the whole article 140 characters at a time. But the headline of this Harvard Business Review article was Strong Patient-Provider Relationships Drive Healthier Outcomes. Now, this is not posted in a research article, uh, sorry, in a medical journal. It wasn't posted in a physical therapy journal. It was posted in the Harvard Business Review. And Michael Porter is one of the authors of this um, article in Harvard Business Review. And if you don't know Michael Porter, I'm going to let you research him on your own. Michael Porter was talking about value-driven healthcare um, probably eh, at least 15 years ago. And he's got some very short, uh, very and easy to read, straightforward papers, um, business-wise, on how healthcare had to go to a value-driven model over 15 years ago. So Michael has been involved in this. He's got a business background, but again, strong patient-provider relationships drive healthier outcomes. And basically, a couple of the highlights from the article were, you know, surveys, and I'm quoting the article, surveys consistently demonstrate that patients prioritize both the interpersonal attributes of their providers and their individual relationships with providers above all else. Think about that. So once they get in to see this provider the thing they prioritize is both the interpersonal attributes and their individual relationship with their providers. Um, I've believed this for a long time. I've been preaching this for a long time. I'm not sure everybody in healthcare believes this, but healthcare is an interesting animal who doesn't want to listen to its customer and doesn't want to believe what the customer tells it. And we continue to um, shoot ourselves in the foot and be total jackasses and believe technology is going to solve healthcare when really it is about this interpersonal attributes and the individual relationships we form with these people. You could be the best doctor on the face of the earth. You're going to have to have some of these skills and make a connection with these people. And um, we're not going to go into, you know, how these relationships drive healthier outcomes. All I'm going to say is people are looking for these And again, think about the customer experience drivers that I shared with you from the other tweets. So, I mean, this is huge stuff. 
it's not rocket science, but it's huge because it can be your differentiator. Um, let's see. There was another quote I had here. For the last two years, this group is in this article. For the last two years, we've been studying organization that experts consider exemplars of primary care as part of a case-based series. Our findings have been consistent and surprising. All the practices and systems we studied prioritize relationships with patients over cost and outcomes measures, which they often assess through such indicators as accessibility, patient satisfaction, and engagement metrics. The leaders of these practices all believe that by promoting relationship building on an individual patient level, favorable costs and outcomes will follow. And they uh, list their case studies. So think about that for a second. They're saying if you focus, and by the way, they're talking about the triple aim, right? Taking care of the patient in front of you, decreasing the cost of a course of care, and improving outcomes. This is the triple aim. So this article is significant in telling us that if we make these interpersonal relationships, build these professional, I like to put professional relationship in front of it, with these patients, that we will actually drive the triple aim. I gave a talk at Graham Sessions in January along this same exact line. I'm not claiming to be smarter than these guys. I'm not claiming to say I've been saying this, but I've, I came to this realization a while back, and these guys say it a hell of a lot better than I can. I came to the realization that by making your patient care, meaning showing them you care, that they will listen to you. They won't demand the MRI. I've got some research to show that, not through me, but through some other people. If they don't demand the MRI, the cost of care goes down. If they believe your evidence-based medicine approach is the correct way to go, and you know it is, because you study it and you've studied the research, then they will follow what you say. Then their outcomes will improve. So you are actually lowering the course of a cost of care and you are increasing outcomes by making and showing someone you care. And by the way, how do you think that customer satisfaction score is going to go? It's going to be through the roof. So we're not going to see all these discrepancies. So I highly recommend you check out this Barrel Institute and you find the Harvard Business Review article titled Strong Patient-Provider Relationships Drive Healthier Outcomes. And again, uh, I find this very interesting and maybe I will read, um, it's only about 10 minutes long, one of these podcasts I will actually read my uh, talk I gave at the Graham Sessions last January about the solution to healthcare is actually to show people that we care so that they care for us and that all these great things will happen. So I'm looking forward to uh, reading that on a future episode. But again, search out this Harvard Business Review article. They say it a lot better than I do, and they got some big freaking names behind this shit. Um, I mean, not that I'm not smart, no, no everything, because I kind of am. But uh, these guys just get paid a shitload more than I do just have the same conversation. Uh, the title of the Harvard Business Review article is Strong Patient-Provider Relationships Drive Healthier Outcomes. So give that a look-see and read through it. And again, like any notorious Harvard Business Review article, there are uh, numerous links within the article that will take you to the other articles that they reference. So highly recommend opening those up. So let's think about this. We, we talked about these... Um, tweets and talked about these quotes and these articles 
service and experience, customer experience. We talked about this provider, patient-provider relationships drive healthier outcomes. So what I want you to be thinking about and what I want you to take home from this podcast before we go into these last terms we're going to define and uh, call it a day is I want you to think about all these skills that you're not thinking about, which is how this person sitting across from me, I've, I've done it. I've done it for 22 years. You're so focused on your intervention. You're so focused on what you have to do next. You're so focused on getting your note done that you're not just listening to the person. You don't put your pen and paper down. You don't look them in the eye and you don't let them know that you care and that you are actually processing this information because they're going to tell you something when you're not processing that information and thinking about the intervention. They're going to tell you something that is going to be key to their health, to their well-being, that is going to be key that you have to grab onto to get this person better. And I'll never forget Maitland's um, subjective chapter in his book was the first one who ever said this. So again, most of the stuff I'm talking about, I, I don't claim to have invented it. I, I just claim to have finally put some of it into practice, have stepped back and looked at other people using it and finally realizing what's going on. But Maitland said it best that if you ask people the right question, you know, through your clinical reasoning uh, during this objective exam, and then you listen, they will tell you what's wrong with them. And that quote, and I'll never forget the day I read that, and it has stuck with me so much. And it is in the subjective exam chapter of the Maitland book. Why every PT doesn't have to read that chapter going into school, and then the last thing they read going out of school, I do not know. But if I was heading up a program, you'd get that chapter in the mail along with your acceptance letter, and you'd get it handed to you about a week before graduation. Again, if you ask the right questions, the patient will tell you what is wrong with them. Uh, sorry, if you ask the right questions and listen, the patient will ask you. So as you're listening to this podcast, I really want you to focus on when you grab that patient who's in the waiting area and say, how are you doing? Instead of saying, how are you doing? Say, Mr. Smith, you know, how have you been since our last visit moving towards your goal of wanting to get back to play golf? And then listening to what he says, because he's going to give you all the answers you need to be the movement expert, to be the pain expert, to do your intervention. But let's put it in his words. Let's make it about him. Let's make him know you listened, that he can't play golf. Don't go in and ask him, how's the internal rotation of his right hip? Or, hey, how's that right hip feeling? No, how's your golf game? Oh, you can't, you know, you can't play golf. So, oh, did you get out? Did you get out to hit balls like we discussed last time? Make him know that you're listening to him or her, you know. Hey, Mrs. Smith, were you able to pick up your child? You know, did you try it with the hip hinge? Did you try it, you know, with the deeper squat? Whatever it is, but don't ask him, you know, how is your hip feeling today? So we got to make this, we got to build this relationship. We got to build trust. We got to let them know that we care. And that's probably going to be a whole nother damn podcast too. Um, making people know we care. But again, as you're sitting there listening, you're in the car, you fell asleep, you're sitting on your porch, drinking your paper airplane, run that whole goddamn part back again and listen to it again. You've got to focus on that person across from you. And you've got to make it about them every fucking time. you got to make it about them every time, right? 
the first day you ask them, what are your goals? What's most important to you? You're not here because you have hip pain. You're here because you can't go up the steps. You're here because you can't bend over to pick up your grandchild. You're here because you can't play golf. You're here because you can't run. You're here because you can't get up out of a chair without pain, right? So those are the things you got to focus back on. Um, and uh, that, you know, that's the stuff talked about John Wolf earlier. That's the stuff that I know he talks about and he really grills in on and why I love chatting with him. And he knows the, uh, he knows the psych research uh, very well and uh, can reference all the reasons why we have to approach it this way. So um, that's really what the take home I want you guys to go with. So I'm going to give you one more thing tonight and then we're going to call it quits like the Cubs have. And um, I hope some Cubs fans are still listening. And by the way, um, yes, I'm also a Michigan fan, a University of Michigan fan. I don't know why I'm such a big fan of the Midwest, um, but I am. And uh, it was very unfortunate to see the way that Michigan State-Michigan game ended. So uh, there are some listeners out there. We'll see if they listen this far, because if they did, I'll probably be hearing from them. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about before we pour ourselves another drink is... You know, these words, customer experience, customer engagement, customer service. What I like to say is, you know, customer experience is what you have to map out. It is a roadmap of every touch point within your company, your business, your facility. That is the customer experience. You could take it back to the marketing and everything they experience before they come in. You know, that's part of your brand. And that is its own little world. And I really look at customer experience about what happens once that potential customer comes into contact with your company and or brand via whether it's phone, whether they walked in the office. That is the first contact point of a customer experience. And that has to be mapped out. That has to be mapped out contact point by contact point by contact point. So what? So that you can deliver on customer engagement so that you can get good engagement with this patient or customer. Because if you don't know the touch points, then you're going to drop the ball at certain places and your customer engagement program scores, whatever you want to call it, however you're going to measure it are going to be poor. Because if you don't realize that when um, you're doing your welcome call or Um, what most people call an appointment reminder. If you don't realize what you're saying during that, then you're not going to realize that that is a point where you could possibly share your unique value proposition again, or you won't understand that that's a point where you can already start to continue to deliver on promises that were made earlier in the cycle, or that you can continue to show people that you care. So if you didn't map out the customer experience, you won't be able to engage that customer properly throughout their life cycle with you. Also call the customer experience uh, the customer life cycle. Um, So again, when you map that out, when you get all those touch points, then you know how you have to engage these people at every single touch point throughout the life cycle or throughout that customer experience. Lastly, customer service, as I like to say, it's not a department. Customer service is what comes together and is this evolution and is everything it is the action of your customer engagement it is the coming to life of your customer experience that way 
you, everybody knows who's in charge at every touch point. Everybody knows who's in charge <clears throat> of customer engagement at every touch point through the customer lifecycle. And if you know you're in charge at these certain touch points, then you can deliver the top level service and customer service that you need to deliver to these customers. And I mean, just think about when a patient comes to you, the treating physical therapist, therapist with their EOB or their insurance bill or a question about billing. How many of you try to answer that question without fully knowing and actually you start digging a deeper hole for your company because you're trying to answer a question you don't know? Now, if you know the whole customer experience, you know that there are experts waiting to talk to this patient. So you can actually make a promise that Mr. Jones, you know what, I'm gonna get you over to Juanita and um, actually I'll have my front desk call Juanita while you're here and we will get the answers to this while you're here. Or if it's more difficult, hey, can I get this back to you tomorrow before noon? I'm gonna get this over to my front desk, they'll get it to Juanita and Juanita will contact you um, what's the best way to contact you? Oh, you'd rather have an email? Sure. So again, if you map out the touch points, which is the customer experience, then you know how to engage people, customer engagement, at each of these touch points, and you can deliver the customer service throughout the whole experience, throughout every touch point that needs to be delivered. So um, that is the definition of those three words and how they interplay. So there's customer experience, there's customer engagement and there's customer service. And again, I sent out a tweet this morning that said, if you call any business or you go anywhere, you're standing in front of someone and they say, let me get you to our customer service department, you're probably standing in the wrong place or you're dealing with the wrong people because customer service is not a department. Customer service is on every single person in the company and they should know who to get you to. And the answer is not, let me get you to customer service. The correct answer would be, oh, I hear what you're saying that's bill or that's this department and you know what they're going to handle this problem and they're going to get back to you by noon today so um so there we go so i appreciate you guys coming along for the first ride with my first podcast of business baseball and bourbon um i'm glad the dodgers are out i'm glad the blue well the blue jays are probably headed out kind of took them on as my team after that infamous bat flip just loved it and uh we got a lot of bourbon to drink, people. So I look forward to chatting with with you, to you, at you, with you in the future. Um, I'd like to roll something out every two to three weeks. Got some ideas coming up. Um, so uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again and speaking at you again. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. Feel free to reach out to me at Jerry underscore Durham PT on Twitter. Or you can feel free to text me. My cell phone number is 415-509-3986. Say, Jerry, I heard your podcast, and I have some questions for you. And that is the bestest way. Don't call that number because it'll go to that thing called voicemail, which means I don't mean to be rude, but I won't recognize your number there, so it'll go to voicemail, and I won't answer it because I won't recognize your, your phone number. But if you text me you say, hey, I heard your podcast, and hell yeah, I'm calling you back. So there you go. So thanks for joining in. Thanks for uh, listening. Remember the take-homes, uh, that patient-provider relationship. Pull up that Harvard Business Review article. Um, 
root for whoever the hell you want except for the Cubs and get yourself a bourbon drink. Thanks for playing all.